Hi, everybody. Welcome back to In the Dark. Hope everybody's having a great day. I'm having a wonderful day here. It's uh, raining and storming, and I love this weather. Gives me time to do some things like podcast. Um, I have wanted to tell you guys I got my YouTube videos back up and running. I had my YouTube channel started back up again. Um, I just I had taken it down, and then I I um, uploaded. 10 of my episodes a few days ago and I have about 21 or 22 more to upload there and then I will consistently once I catch up to all that I will consistently be doing a you know every few day video up there it's not going to be an actual video where you see my face it's just um you know me talking with a picture of you know look for the werewolf picture um, I'm just not comfortable sitting in front of a camera to talk yet. I might get to the point where I'm comfortable with that, but right now I'm just not. I um, So look for me on YouTube. It's uh, In The Dark. Uh, you can email me at inthedark2021 at gmail.com if you don't know what the link is or need the link. Um, you know, I'd appreciate if you guys favorited the this podcast on here so it gives you new episodes and you know notifications that the new episodes are in I just some of this stuff boy I'll tell you I just sit here and I you know I have so much information in my head and I just wish I could just download it into you guys where I don't have to you know go through so much time and all these steps but there's just so much and it gets overwhelming sometimes um so I just you know I wanted to get back to last week the continuation of it, but before I do that, I also wanted to get into um, July 24th, I had done an episode about the goat man, and I, I, had, I had never really finished that episode, and I wanted to just kind of finish it off, finish reading to you guys what I had been reading, and, you know, just kind of complete that real quick, so I'm going to do that real fast here. Give me a minute. I'm multitasking. Um, I had stopped with the reading of the wild animals of the desert. We'll mingle there with the wolves and hyenas. This is about the wild, the wilderness. There the night monsters will scream at each other and the demons will come. That's where I ended that. Um, then it goes on. The immediate context of Isaiah 1321 is God's destruction of Babylon at the hand of the Medes and his promise to make the city desolate. This chapter also represents a type or shadow of God's end time judgment to come upon on earth because of the Babylon like system that will govern all humans. That's found in 13, 6, uh, chapter 13, Revelation 6, 8, 9, 16, 17, 5, etc. Isaiah 34 discusses God's future judgment on the entire world because of Babylon the Great. That's Revelation 14, 8, 18, 10, etc. God promised in Isaiah 13, 20 through 22 to destroy the ancient city of Babylon to such an extent that not only would not would no human ever live there again, it would become a place where only wild animals and demons or the satires reside. The 14th verse of Isaiah 34 alludes to the time in the near future where Babylon will again be judged and be fit for only beasts and demons. In Revelation 18, an angel comes down from heaven to cry out to the entire earth that Babylon the Great has fallen and has become the habitation of devils. 
Revelation 18.2, and of every unclean, unfit, to eat bird. John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible explains Revelation 18.2 as Babylon the Great becoming the habitation of, devil, of devils as old Babylon was of satires. Isaiah 13 through 21, demons, which appeared in a hairy form like goats. Albert Barnes' notes on the Bible state that this verse in Revelation is an allusion to the common opinion that the demons inhabited abandoned cities, old ruins, and deserts. The language here is taken from the description of Babylon in Isaiah 13, 20 through 22. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit tongue-twisted. This was in reference to the episode I did on Goatman. Okay, I just wanted to finish up that reading. I hadn't finished it that night. I should have. And for whatever reason, I just I cut it off there. There's another thing that goes on. Um, another group of sightings are with cat people. And that is not talked about a lot. It's not something that's talked about a great deal. And this is occurring. In fact, the, the woman that I spoke with, Robin, that lives around um, the dogmen and the, the Bigfoot, she sees sightings regularly, almost on a nightly basis, said she has seen cat people in the woods out on the borderline of her property. And there's a, it's funny how some of these sightings that like a lot of these beings are the creatures that we see. There's always like a God, you know, that was worshiped at one time and, and, in in ancient, um, Egyptian times, they had a cat person, a cat God named Bastet that they worshiped. And Bastet was a very, grew to be a very, um, docile, almost you know, caring type of creature. Um, Bastet was the daughter of the sun god Ra. And she had a sister who, her name was uh, Sekhmet, Sekhmet. She was a goddess, but she was a ferocious warrior. But they, they worshipped this being, this this entity. Um, they said that, I, I guess back in, you know, Egyptian times, they had a lot of problems with rats and their crops getting overrun with rats and so they would uh welcome cats to come in and protect their you know their crops and that's why they they became very big lovers of cats and they they always felt that cats could see the demons in the darkness and that's why their eyes glowed so and Bastet was thought of as being a um goddess of fertility as well same with Anubis you've got this godlike or God, you know, that they, they worshipped that was part man, part dog, you know, head of a jackal or a dog. It's it's the same thing with this cat thing. It's almost like, you know, you've got the goat man, you've got all these beings that are part, you know, animal and part human. And that leads back into, you know, when the watchers fell, they created the Nephilim and the giants were created. And then the Watchers went on, went along with the Nephilim to create what they called creatures of nightmare or do experiments and, you know, create these, they were, they were mixing DNAs and coming up with their own creatures. And that's where I believe these beings came from. 
So I wanted to touch on that a little bit before I get into this, the rest of the stuff here. Get a quick drink here. I'm going to get back into Ted Gunderson. Um, he's somebody that he's seen a lot. He, you know, he was a worked with the CIA, ex-FBI director. He was an amazing human being, and he was a whistleblower. He came out to risk his life. He did die a mysterious death. Um, at one point was poisoned by arsenic. And he risked his life to get out to the public what's really going on. And I am here to get into some of that stuff. Now, I was talking about, um, I think I ended it with the Oklahoma City bombing. No, I believe I ended it with the children, the abductions and that type of stuff. I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit here because I have to kind of go with, you know, whatever, with the information I'm thinking of, um, get into getting into Ruby Ridge, uh, Randy and Vicki Weaver. That was a case where these people lived out in this area that was out. It was backwoods. It was country. It was, you know, private. And they collected a number of weapons. They liked weapons and they collected them. And they were, you know, seeking the truth about the government, that type of stuff. Nothing was going on there that was a threat to our nation, you know, or anybody, but they just the government had gotten wind that these people had too many weapons, in their opinion. So they went in and they surrounded their property. And it ended up where Vicki, who was the mother, was standing in the doorway. And she was shot and killed by a Japanese, he was of Japanese descent, FBI, FBI sharpshooter. And she was standing in the doorway and she was pregnant at the time. Um, he was indicted. The guy that was, uh, was the sharpshooter was indicted, but Louis Free had stepped in when he was indicted for murder and he made it all go away. So the sharpshooter had gotten away scot-free. Nothing was ever done. And Randy Weaver had lost his wife and they had been rounded up and arrested and, you know, invaded and everything else just because they had collected too many guns in the eyes of the government. Crazy stuff. World Trace Trade Center car bombing was another one. This is dirty business, guys. It's, it's uh, you know, conspiracies, murder, child rings, you know, sacrifice, satanic worship. You know, it's all there. It's all there. The reason I'm getting into all this is because, like I told you, God told me to go back to the beginning when I was talking about this stuff. And this stuff is showing you what our government is capable of, who they really are, who they're really run by. So then when you, you know, beg the question that, you know, why aren't they telling us about dogmen? Why aren't they telling us about Bigfoot? Why aren't they protecting us? You know, why are they, they, they coming up with all these, these 
manipulation tactics and scare tactics to get people to, you know, juice their bodies up with immunizations and, you know, basically getting us to follow anything that they want us to do. And they're using scare tactics to do it. They figured out how to do it. They figured out the one thing that we would respond to was a health crisis, pandemics, viruses, bacteria, contagion. That's the one thing that's going to rule us. It's going to be the it, it's going to be the thing that directs us to wherever they want us to go. It's genius, and they figured it out. Uh, by the way, I was also I was talking about the um, World Trade Center with Timothy McVeigh. I remember the day that Timothy was put to death, and I remember how I felt like my heart dropped because I. Something in my soul that day, I remember feeling like something was wrong and I never could put my finger on it because way back then I just didn't know anything about this stuff, you know, but I remember when it was happening and I just felt like something was really wrong in the forces out there, you know, it just didn't feel right to me. Timothy McVeigh was recruited out of special forces he had written a letter to his sister that stated he had been recruited out of special forces to be trained as an assassin for a CIA drug operation. He was a complete scapegoat used by the government to do their bidding and then take the fall, which they do a lot. They do this with a lot of people. So I wanted to mention that. Um, back to the conspiracy stuff. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be jumping around a bit here because I have to remember, you know, where I'm at here and what I'm doing. Um, I got some notes here, too, I take, so. So, let's go into the car bombing again. The World Trade Center car bombing, October 28th, 1993. Former Egyptian 43-year-old Army officer, Uman Salam was the FBI informant who was working with the terrorists. February 26, 1993, he was commissioned by the terrorists to put bombs, to put the bomb together. He went to his FBI handler who told him instead of using a dummy bomb, they were actually going to use a real bomb. This is documented. The FBI, FBI not only informed they were going to bomb the Trade Center, with a real bomb, they furnished the ingredients for the bomb through Salam. The only way this information came out and that anybody knew what was going on was because Salam actually, for some reason or another, knew to protect himself. And he wore body mics when he met with both the terrorists and the head of the FBI. That's probably what saved his life. That's probably why he was never expendable. So the FBI was involved in the World Trade Center car bombing. And there's proof of it from 1993. Oklahoma City, April 19th, 1995. By the way, April 19th is a satanic holiday. Just so you know. Pretty crazy stuff. April 19th. 
Um, there are, I would say, close to 4 million practicing Satanists in America today, and it's growing. That's just a side note. That's a lot of Satanists. South Bay, California, informants. For South Bay, California, Lincoln, Nebraska, and many more states, they put together the averages of what they knew of, of the amounts of satanic worshipers there were, and they pretty much, you know, they averaged it out. They came up with the number 4 million practicing Satanists. That's how they figured that out. From April 17th to the 25th, these people practice Good Friday, Day of Passion, Death of Christ, Human Sacrifice, Male Only. That's on the 17th of April, that that's practiced. On the 18th, Easter Eve day, they practice the blood sacrifice, male or female. 50 to 60,000 humans are sacrificed in this country a year for these sacrifices, guys. And this is coming from reputable sources. 50 to 60,000 human beings a year just for this week of sacrificing. April 21st, sacrificial prep day. 22nd is the abduction holding. Think about what that says. Just that, those two words, the abduction holding. So they have a day where they dedicate to the holding of the people that they have kidnapped. A lot of them are children. 23rd of April, ceremonial prep of the individuals up to the 25th. 23rd through the 25th is when they prep the individuals. And God only knows what that means. April 26th is the grand climax. Goes into oral, anal, vaginal of female ages 1 through 25. So one-year-old babies are being just physically, utterly destroyed by these human beings so they can give dedication to their god, Satan, Lucifer. April 30th is the blood and animal and or human sacrifice of any age. These people meet in cellars, basements, they, they, you know, create homes, they have them built, they meet in churches, in the basements. It's always, you know, in basements of somewhere. I mean, even in, you know, the Grand Lodge for the, the Illuminati or the Masons, everything's always in a basement. They're down right where they belong. I don't know if you guys remember the McMartin case. It was like 1966. Through 1987, I think was like the the years that this went on. There was a school that the kids had told when the FBI, the good guys apparently, the people that were actually trying to help, um, they they went in under, into investigation and the kids had said that there were tunnels underneath the school that they would be dropped off by their mom and dad, and there would be these tunnels under the school. Gray Bucky was the one who was accused, and there was a hung jury originally, and the grandmother was acquitted. Um, his kids were involved, 
but they would take these kids that were dropped off at the school and they would tunnel them out underneath the buildings and they would put them in cars and they would take off with them and prostitute the kids out to the kids were any, I mean, they were like, I think they were, I was going to say two. I think they were anywhere from like five to basically 11, 12 years old, mostly. And they loved for whatever reason, they really loved the black children. There's some kind of a sickness there. I don't know what that is. And they love little boys. So this happened and, uh, so they, so that when the FBI went in, they said that they couldn't find any tunnels. There was nothing there. So then he was retried again and it was covered up. He was let go. And at one point, Ted Gunderson had the ability to get a hold of the property and he hired an archeologist who went in and he did some studies of the, of the land. And he said there had indeed been tunnels there. After it was all said and done, they did the investigation of that part and they found tunnels had been there and they were covered up and they tried to go in and retry um, Gray Bucky, but the DA at the time wasn't, he wasn't willing to do it. So they had uh, 34 days that they had, they had done this planning and investigation on these, this uh, property. I'm just, you know, some of the stuff when I go through this again and I, I listen to it and I read things and I, I just learn more and more about it. There's another case over in England like this. I'll have to talk about this another time. But the trial took place. It was like up to two years for this trial. And um, like I said, the DA refused to do anything about it. So it was pretty incredulous. I will be back in a moment. Hey guys, I'm back. Had to just take a brief moment there. Um, getting back to the Oklahoma bombing, I just kind of wanted to go over just a few notes I had, you know, put into myself about it. I remember when they had, they had found four bombs in the building that hadn't gone off. And there was a witness there that said that they had seen um, a number on one of the bombs. Uh... It was a contract number. It was listed. And, they, and the contract numbers were available to the public at the time. And this the wind got out, word got out of this, and the, the, there was like four different news stations there this day that they were pulling the bombs out. And they were excited saying that, you know, now we were going to find out, like, you know, who these bombs really belong to, you know, making a big to-do about it. And the bombs were brought out, like, one at a time within moments of each other. And they'd gone into like the Picatinny arsenal looking for the Freedom of Info Act and it didn't hold like they wouldn't give out the information. No matter what they did, nobody could find the information. Everything was like lost or closed down. No replies all around. You know, Michael was all distraught. He was the guy that was the um, uh, Michael DeConosudo, I think was his name. He was the one that had, you know, created the bomb. And he was contacting Ted, trying to get help. And you know, it was just like one big, it was just a crazy, chaotic mess. And that's how, you know, the government turns things into that. You know, all the, all this stuff just seemed like the information disappears, you know, witnesses die or they get jailed, you know, or they're silenced, 
You know, it's just one, and Timothy McVeigh was, you know, he was the scapegoat. It was just, it was crazy. So, um, and you understand with Ted Gunderson, he wouldn't just make statements. He was a lot like how David Polites operates. Ted would, he was the type of person that everything he said, he backed it up with proof. He had statements, you know, he had, you know, certified registered letters, um, witnesses, like this was stuff that, you know, he, he didn't just come out and just make random statements and didn't, he couldn't back it up. He could back up everything he talked about. So this was going on with, with the bombing. Um, the army news crews was there, you know, um, it, it, it just, it was just a real spectacle, but any, but anyway, in the end it was all covered up and they could never locate information that they should have been able to locate. And that's the key point here is that they, you know, this should have had these numbers that were on the bombs. They were, they were registered for the public to even know, like it was something that was very cut and dry. You should be able to just access this information. Nothing could be accessed. Nothing. Clinton actually came out on statement on, on record stating that, that, that bomb was a miracle of technology. So it was, it was pretty crazy stuff. But like I said, I was really upset the day that McVeigh was put down. I, 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 mean, I just, I felt like, I don't know, just his claims and when, what he talked about, it, it was, he really took the fall for that. Um, getting into nine one nine eleven, there was a, there was like a software that was invented by Michael DeCantato that was sold. Um, it was actually invented by Michael and Nancy, I think her name was Vela Samahudo. I have a hard time pronouncing some of these names. She was out of Washington, D.C. And she had invented, I think, I believe she invented the computer. Michael had invented the software. And what the computer did was it keeps track of everything about us. Everything, everything, like things you wouldn't even believe they're keeping track of. And the Hamiltons leased it to the Department of Justice for two years for $10 million. And at the end of this time, the department liked it so much they refused to pay the Hamiltons, who in turn sued them in bankruptcy court. And after they spent over a million and a half dollars, the court told them they were in the wrong court after they had won and told them to go across the street to another court. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. And of course, at that point, they were broke. Bill Hamilton actually had contacted Gunderson himself. So, and Michael was, you know, as, as I told you, he was friends with Ted. But he had put this trap door in this software. And it was during the period that the Justice, Justice Department had the software because Michael was basically a brilliant scientist. I mean, he had like a, a feeling or, you know, whatever was going on, he felt he needed to put this, this type of trap door in there, you know, to gain access to information or, you know, down the road, be able to um, find out who was dealing with this software. He just had a feeling that something was going to go wrong. So the government decided to sell the software in the end. They kept it. They sold it to all kinds of, you know, terrorist organizations all across the world to every country you could imagine without knowing the trapdoor was there, which in turn allowed us to see and steal all the information from these other countries. So it was pretty genius of him. The Brooks Com Committee had had a hearing about this, 
and they had subpoenaed Michael um, to go in and testify about this trap door. And Michael was willing to do it. But he was called in by Peter. He was called by Peter uh, Pertnix of the U.S. Department of Justice, who said not to dare go and testify or he would be sorry. But Michael testified within and he did. He go in. He went in and testified anyway. He told him to basically shove it up his butt. And within three weeks, Michael was sentenced to drugs. He was arrested and sentenced. His first offense to 30 years in prison. Crazy stuff, huh? Ted tried to help him. He did whatever he could to help him, but really, they just couldn't do anything. By the way, Ted had sons of his that, um, one of his sons was, he had an attempt on his life as well. He also claimed that, not to get off track here, but he claimed that Sonny Bono, who was, you remember Sonny and Cher? Um, he turned into a politician. He was supposedly killed in a, it was, it was, it, I always thought about this because he was killed in this freak skiing accident, which I felt was always a little odd because he was an expert skier and he was killed. Um, apparently he hit a tree, but, uh, Ted claims that he was actually murdered and I can get into all that later. Um, so while Michael is in jail, nine one one happens, nine eleven. And you can go back into like the spring of 1986. Uh, Bill Sloan was appointed by Reagan, who was the head of the of HUD, who called Ted, asked for help defeating rebels. You know, he called on Michael, who in turn sorted it all out. Basically, in the end, he he you know came into the aid of the rebels. It was they were trying to defeat the rebels. The Soviets and the rebels were at war with each other. And then in the end, what happened was the money that we had been giving the Soviets where it was in turn used against us, which is so common, you know, with the United States, it's all just like one big mess of traitordom, you know, like it, it, it's just like we help a person and then they take the help and they use it against us. It's like this one big mess, you know, it's, it's constant. It's with everything, no matter what it is, you know, it, it, it it's just some of the stuff, just you marvel at it. So Michael was involved heavily as far as his knowledge base after 9-11 happened, Ted, who had full clearance to always get in and out of prison to visit Michael, was now suddenly denied access. He couldn't get in at all to see him, ever. And this went on for about a year and a half. So after about a year and a half, he gets in and he finally sees Michael. And Michael stated that um, he was actually in White Deer, Pennsylvania, which is right down the road for me. When I heard that, I was stunned. Michael claimed that an FBI agent named Keith Kutry from Williamsport, PA, which is where I live, um, was involved with the um, FBI resident agency in Williamsport. March 20th, 2001, Keith granted Michael a visit after Michael had written a letter his, his, his attorney had advised him to write a letter to Colin Powell. And so Michael did, and Colin Powell got wind of the letter. He read it, and he said he directed the FBI from Williamsport to go in and visit Michael and find out what was going on, get the information. So this Keith Kutry did so. And 
He visited Michael, and Michael, in turn, told him everything he knew. He told him everything you could possibly know about, you know, the terrorists, who was head of the organizations, who was, you know, head of certain rings. I mean, he knew all kinds of information. So the FBI agent left. He said one of the, he got wind later on that one of the families that he told Keith about was then suddenly deported from the United States. And later he found out his entire family was assassinated. And he believed that our government had something to do with that. This Keith Kutry agent went back into um, visit Michael and he said it was like this guy was a pit bull on fire. Like he said, he was in his face spitting, accusing him of, you know, giving them false information, that he was a conspiracy theorist, that he, he just acted all intimidating and angry. And after a while, Michael just shut down and said he was done. He wasn't going to talk anymore about anything, you know. Um, and he was just, he shut up. After that, he stopped talking. So here this man sits in prison for a charge that he didn't commit by our government because he was threatened by somebody he didn't listen. And the man carried out his threat. I mean, he sits in prison. And this is this goes into some of the stuff with, you know, again, now I'm talking government stuff here. But think about the people that, you know, they see a Bigfoot sighting and then suddenly they get threatened. The men in black show up at their house and they're told, if you talk about this, we're going to destroy your life. And some of these people have talked and their lives have been destroyed. They carry out their threats because they're not going to be looked at as, you know, weak or meek individuals that don't carry out their threats. So, of course, they're going to annihilate you. Um, there was a thing that came out that was called the Countdown to Terrorism. Later on, that was written and they said that the cities that were targeted in the future for terrorist acts were Las Vegas Los Angeles, Valdez, Alaska, because of the oil there, Boston, New York City, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Miami, Chicago, and Houston. These are the ones that, the major cities basically, but these especially will be the ones that are, are going to, there's, Michael had said that they were planning to be bombed in the future. So as a result of these terrorist acts, what has happened? The Patriot Act, Federal Emergency Management Plan. That's what's come into effect from all of this terrorism. This is how they are driving all this, guys. They're driving us. They're driving the media. They own the media. They're driving us through terrorism, gun shootings, you know, the, the school shootings, shootings in malls. Did you notice that, I want to make a point to say this, I'm not going to ever discuss my political views. Okay, I believe that basically all of these presidents are all in bed together. That's what I truly believe. They're all in a club, the satanic club. We've only had maybe one or two that I felt were honest. JFK, I felt was one. Even though he was a womanizer, I felt that he, you know, he was trying to dismantle the CIA. 
clean up the gold and the Federal Reserve. He was he was planning on doing a lot of things, and he was taken out. I always liked Reagan. Um, don't know truly if Reagan was one of the boys or not. I had heard that Reagan was at one of the sacrificial parties, and he left because he was so upset and disgusted. But did you notice that before Biden came into office, the four years that we had, you hardly heard of any shootings? There might have been a few, but it just didn't, you weren't hearing about it too much. Did you notice the gas prices, how low they were? We were at like $1.89. I remember because I run a business and when I fill up, it's noticed. Biden gets into office and I'm basically one of those people. I'm not a straight Republican or Democrat. I vote for who I believe is the right candidate. Okay. This is just what I noticed. I'm not saying who I voted for, but this is something I noticed. The moment Biden took office, our gas prices jacked up through the roof and shootings popped off almost immediately, almost daily. There were all kinds of shootings. That's something I noticed that shocked me. That was like, wow, there is something really bad going on here. Okay, this goes much deeper than being a Democrat or a Republican. Guys, this is something else. There is a true agenda going on here. The hyperinflation of the groceries due to the COVID virus. And then you think, okay, you know, is one president better than the other? Well, they're all pushing vaccinations. You know, um, Trump's son-in-law owns a building 666. That's the number of the building that he, he paid, he offered double for what it was going for. I'm telling you, there is a much bigger picture here. So anyway, Patriot Act, basically that's what all this is all about. The terrorism, the Patriot Act was designed to take away our constitutional rights and civil liberties. That's what it was designed for. No one in Congress, not one person, read the Patriot Bill before it was signed and passed. Not one. It was authored by one man named Din. He was a Vietnam uh, he was from Vietnam, sorry, born in, a, in communist Vietnam, I, I might want to add here. Uh, part of a magna cum laude, Harvard University. Din served as a special counsel on, impeach, on the impeachment trial of Bill Clinton. 2001, when the Patriot Act was abducted, he was with the Department of Justice advising President Bush on constitutional matters. 
thousands of people have been arrested pursuant to the Patriot Act. It states it is legal to arrest and detain individuals without any involvement of any attorney without probable cause or the filing of formal charges. And here's the shocking part. Get this. The bill was switched in the early morning hours to substitute the bill prepared by the executive branch. The original bill was drafted and agreed upon by both Dems and Republicans and by both the House and the Senate. At the very last minute, the original bill was substituted by Din's bill that he drafted himself. President Bush, at 3.45 a.m., only mere hours before the House voted for this, that morning, let me go back here. President Bush, at 3.45 in the morning, merely hours before, had switched the bill, substituted it, and it was voted for. Not one person, not one, had read the substituted bill before signing it. Out of the 434 people in Congress, not one read it. It wasn't the original bill that was approved and adopted by 36 votes of Republicans and Democrats in the Judiciary Committee. It was a 300-plus page bill on October 26, 2001, was signed and put into effect, made as law. There were 27 amendments to the Constitution the bill outrightly destroyed all amendments related to our civil rights and protections of our freedoms. The First Amendment, Congress shall make no law abridging our freedom of speech. Librarians re were reported to have to report anyone who checked out certain books to the FBI, and if they did not report it, they could be arrested and jailed. One of those books was the Franklin cover-up. The Franklin cover-up was on that list, and it was a book that was about child kidnapping and the taking of children from Omaha, Nebraska, and flying them to Washington, D.C., for sex with senators and congressmen. And then blackmailing took effect so that these, these politicians would vote how they were persuaded to vote through blackmail. They would record these acts, you know, get them on video, secret videos, and they would use that against them. To, they basically owned them because of their pedophilic natures. 
the book was in demand, Johnny Campus had had to print his own copies because it was pretty much just pulled from everything and it started to get into pretty high demand. So he had to do his own copies of it. And the act also included watching over our internet activities. I'm going to stop there as far as this goes for tonight. And I will get into the rest the next podcast. I do want to say something. I'm just, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I just, you know, deep thought always takes place. I want to tell you guys, this is the rabbit hole, guys. This isn't conspiracy. That's the evil forces at bay trying to downplay the truth. That's their word to downplay the truth as to what's really going on here. Did you guys catch the commercial? President Bush stands with President, ex-President Bush stands with ex-President Clinton, who stands with ex-President Obama. Two Democrats and a Republican. Do you know what they're on there? Spinning? That's how I consider it. They're on there marketing the shot to get your immunizations. Do you really trust them? Really? Bill Clinton used to go and visit George Bush Sr. regularly. They were really close. They're all in this together. You need to really do some research and really study up and listen to what people are saying. Listen to the people that they're trying to silence. Hear them. The voices are coming from all over. The stories, the encounters, it's all coming in. It's, it's out. It's out there. If you're willing to open up your mind and your heart, you know, and really take into consideration that this could be the truth. That evil is at bay. That our country and our world, the leaders are all in bed together. And they all answer to one being. And his name is Lucifer. That's what's going on. That's the rabbit hole. That's why the cover-ups from government to cryptids to ch child pedophile rings, human sacrifices, it's all there. Missing di you know, people, the disappearances. It's all, it's all intertwined. All of it. There isn't just one subject to talk about here. You know, you can get into politics and say, okay, I'm into the political realm. I don't want to hear about the cryptids. You know, that doesn't interest me. Oh, I don't want to hear about God. I want to hear about the cryptids. I'm not interested in God. I don't want to hear what those religious freaks say. You know, they're nuts. They're all so, you know, goody two-shoes, you know, Bible-thumping crazies. All act like they're on Prozac or something, you know, or the cryptids. I'm not going to get into that. You know, they're all crazy. 
you know, believing in that crazy stuff. That's all fairy tale stuff. They just like to get scared and hype all that stuff up. Missing people. That's not really happening. People are just going out in the wilderness and getting lost. Or bears must be eating them. <laughs> it's all intertwined, guys. All of it. And these are the people that are coming on. The oil companies and this government, this evil government, these governments that run the show, that control our media are coming on as they're given the sign of the devil horns telling you to pump your body full of shit that could kill you. And now it's becoming mandatory. And 70% of the world is signing up for it. All I can say is when that mark of the beast hits, you can bet about 90% of the world's going to sign up for it. They're going to be right in line. This is serious, serious stuff. And we have got to understand government, politics, child pedophile, sacrificing, missing people, cryptids, demons, supernatural realm, giants, fallen angels, Nephilim, God, Satan. It's all intertwined. It's all the same thing. It's just different factions of it. That's all it is. You guys have a great night. I hope that you really give this some thought. You know, don't just write it off. People like me, you know, we're putting our lives in danger to talk about this stuff, really. You know, that's the bottom line. We really are. I mean, that FBI agent that went in to talk to Michael, he was from my town. That doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. So, you guys be safe. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. And I will be back in a few days to pick up where we left off. And I also have just some pretty cool stuff coming up. I just, I don't want to you know, put it out there and promise you. And then, you know, something falls through at that moment, but there's some pretty cool stuff coming up. So stay with me and find me on YouTube. Take care guys.